Hello, this is News of the World, the April Fool's Edition. Within you don't know what to believe or not, which in fact is not so different from the rest of the times in the year because you never really know what to believe. And it's just that this day is making it quite clear that all the news that is coming to you is confusing, even if it's brought to you by myself, Tim Pritlove, and my colleague, Mark Monsegarendero in Amsterdam. Hello, Mark. I'm not here. You're not here. It's not my voice. No, no, me too. We're not, we're not here at all. <laughs> But This yeah. is my best April who, Fool's. Who have thought very... we would get on the mic on the April 1st? Oh, it's very dangerous. Yeah, nobody's of... going to believe us anything. The internet is full of lies today. True, true. <laughs> Don't trust the links. <laughs> Maybe we should postpone the uh, publication of this podcast. I'm Now sure we, we are going to do it today. Yes. Yeah, yeah we we're do going it through this. We are breaking with the traditions. You know, we, mm -hmm. we bring you real news. We bring you um, the truth. Okay. <laughs> and nothing but the truth. Even, yeah, even on a day where, yeah, there's a lot of games and lies being played. We don't play games here. No. It's all serious news here at the, yeah, the co-newsrooms. <laughs> yeah, don't play games. it's boring. Uh, That's, that's how it is, and uh, you have just you have to uh, swallow it as we bring it to you. Okay. Uh, we will begin with one that's been going on for just over a week now, actually. I should have gotten to this last week. The religious riots in Myanmar. And, and this one is definitely in the international news. Um, they were initially... It was a day uh, involving... A, there was a dispute between a Muslim owner of a gold shop, apparently... Uh, who, who beat up to and got into an argument basically with two sellers and apparently a crowd gathered and they proceeded to destroy the gold shop and this has sparked uh, what is not the first but uh, this year's big um, religious riots and we're talking about Muslims and Buddhists who normally live yeah, the, the, shop, to be the, shop owner, the shop owner was Muslim uh, yes I, I think you yeah. failed to mention that And yeah. yeah, so it's interesting that even Buddhists, you know, they're usually know. characterized as being as peaceful as it can be, uh, are now joining the big uh, party of hate. And what I didn't realize is this something like this happened last year, actually. Last year, 180 people died, 110 people lost their homes, because every time. You know, riots like this break out, entire neighborhoods burn. So you have people going homeless as well. And s I didn't even realize this, that this happened last year. I, I don't know that we reported on it here on News of the World. Um, in this case, the toll is 43 people have been killed, 86 injured, 11,000 left homeless. And then they just list like 1,300 houses, shops, and buildings destroyed. It's it's kind of amazing. It's a scale that's very hard to imagine. You know, it's one of those cases that it, if I told you this happened in Amsterdam, the world would have a moment of silence, and and it it would be like a you know, I mean, I almost said 9-11. Never almost say 9-11. That's never good. Um, but it would be a really shocking moment. Uh, and somehow in Myanmar, this is a strange reality. I found a strange. Uh, coincidence or or well it's not a coincidence but apparently google executives were in 
Myanmar uh, when the riot broke out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I started wondering, well, I mean, Google executives probably like to travel, but why, why Myanmar? And the only thing I found, actually, no big conspiracy, was that they were there to promote the idea of keeping the government off their internet and uh, keeping it open and sort of a network neutrality type campaign for Myanmar. And they were launching google.com slash mm or dot mm, which is way too many dots in my opinion, but still, all right, (laughs) dot mm. Um, And so it's just a strange situation, you know, where you have like, you know, Google is concerned about Myanmar. Is it for business? Is it for human rights? Maybe it's for both. And then meanwhile, people, once a year, it seems, for religious reasons, uh, start harming each other. I think we haven't reported on on it. Uh, no. I've just uh, taken a, a closer look at our notes and it's uh, always confusing because sometimes you refer to the country as Burma, sometimes I do. <laughs> as uh, <laughs> Myanmar, uh, even we do. Um, I call the Netherlands Holland all the time. <laughs> yeah, everybody does that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think right now uh, the situation has, has calmed down, although... The latest report I have is from the 30th, so it, it, it may not be exactly the end, but uh, apparently they've installed sort of martial law and, and all power to the police, and the president says, you know, it's under control. So this may not be it. Uh, even this week, there may be more information and more events going on. But the photos of the destruction are, well, as you'd expect, pretty horrible. Mm. Yeah, so that is the story from Myanmar, and uh, I don't have any particular source for for the whole Myanmar thing. The Bangkok Bangkok Post in Thailand uh, does a pretty good job in general, and and for Myanmar in particular. So keep an eye there. How do let's, we proceed? Well, let's do something difficult. Uh, strap in, people. This is not April Fools. I've run into a few news stories about what's called the Southern European Pipelines. And this is for gas, right? And, and I think a lot of people, especially in Europe, know of the controversy that exists about where natural gas is coming from, how much it costs, how to get it, what's a better way. And the fight the last decade or two has been with Russia, right? Uh, they bring the gas into Europe. Gazprom is a big, is a big source of, for gas. And traditionally, they've cut it off when there's a dispute. We know that they're capable of it. They would do it. So there are plans for pipelines that run not through Russia, but come from the Caspian. The, the um, Azerbaijan is the, the main place. Later in a few years, maybe Turkmenistan, if you go a little further. So there are four plans. Uh, at first, I thought there were three, but then I found even a fourth. None of them completed Uh, All of them proposed for more or less 2015 or 2016. You'll find them often called the Southern European Pipelines. Um, The most famous is a Nabucco. It's called the Nabucco Pipeline. And it goes from Azerbaijan. It goes through Georgia, through Turkey, which is a long stretch, through Greece, through Bulgaria, through Romania, up, up through Hungary, and eventually to Austria, where apparently gas just goes everywhere once it gets to Austria because the maps always stop there for some reason. Um, There's another proposal where it goes through Turkey again, through Greece, and to Italy, and then up. They call that the Trans-Adriatic. 
Mm-hmm. All of these are proposals, right? And initially, some of these plans, like Nabucco, only started when the Berlin Wall fell. And uh, uh, I guess because they figured the Soviet Union would still continue, that there should be some anti-Soviet gas plan. Well, not even anti. It was just, you know, we're going to have to get gas somehow. But these days, you know, you still have a big spirit in Europe to not get your gas through Russia because they're too, I don't know what you want, what word we want to use here, unstable, um, heavy-handed, perhaps. They want more control. So what's really strange now is that through all these, these four proposals that don't involve Russia, Russia is actually getting involved. They're buying, they want to buy, for example, the two main gas companies in Greece, which is quite convenient for the fact that Greece is in such a financial ruin that they want to sell every utility, every company they can, the government wants to. So Gazprom could buy the Greek uh, uh, pipeline stretch, Mm -hmm. and then they'll be in control of the so-called European alternative. (coughs) So this is becoming a really weird game of who owns what and where does it go. But only if it goes through Greece. Yeah, but it looks like with most plans it goes through Greece. There is one plan where it goes uh, through the Ukraine still mm-hmm. uh, from Georgia, I think under the sea. What sea is that? Remind me. Black Sea? Black Sea. I'm going to go Black Sea. Yeah. But I think people are afraid of running pipelines through the Ukraine because I think, well, the government is very pro-Russia. Yes. So, I mean, you don't see that written a lot in articles, but we, we know this. We know. We just know. <laughs> Um, but these plans are so confusing, and what's really weird is when you read about them and the money involved, you'd think they already exist, but it's just plans. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting story. It's also very interesting uh, with the German politics view here because, you know, um, our red-green government we had um, in mm. the late 90s, Gerhard Schröder, and mm. along with him, the Green Foreign Minister, Joschka Fischer. Oh, yeah, I liked him. Yeah, he's <laughs> an interesting guy. But after their government went down, Gerd Schröder joined Russia and became a consultant for the pipeline through the East Sea. Mm-hmm. So from Russia to Germany directly, pissing off mm-hmm. the Polish people, for instance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Schröder has been criticized many, many, many times and still going on for actively supporting the Putin government up to this day, you know, calling him uh, a a democrat, you know, like the perfect democrat and so on. (laughs) Joschka Mm -hmm. Fischer, sort of his (laughs) co-president at the time, he joined as a consultant for the Nabucco pipeline. So they're both on the opposite sides here. It's very yeah. interesting. But Not so both... sure what the influence is. It's mainly to, you know, making contacts and, 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 and yeah. know, clear the way wherever they can uh, clear way and find people to talk. Apparently, apparently, if you're into minerals, um, Azerbaijan doesn't have all that much gas. So the, the, even Gazprom is saying, you don't want to... You don't want to go through Azerbaijan. They're going to run out in like five minutes. Uh, so that's another issue. You know, if whatever pipeline does become the main one, does it have enough? Can you beat Russia because they've got everything? Yeah, but the pipeline is also stretching out to Iran, isn't it? Yes, there is a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this hasn't been decided yet and still uh, ongoing. Yes. Yeah, and I just picked up uh, this week an item in um, in a media source that we're going to talk about today, but in Euractive, which follows these sort of... It's a very business-like uh, news reporting, the, the story of... Uh, Russia of Gazprom wanting to buy the the Greek uh, companies and that that might not be approved that they can do that. So yeah, you, you get this, and a lot of this information is in business pages, which is kind of weird because maybe I, I don't read the business pages that often. But here are decisions that are about a lot more than just business, mm-hmm. especially on these cold winters. <laughs> okay, yeah, we we get back to the website uh, later on in the program. Sure thing. Okay, and uh, in the world of, uh, unfortunately, natural disasters, uh, I, I felt we should mention this week uh, a landslide that hit Tibet, and it hit uh, in a mining area. It it buried, uh, in effect, 83 miners, and uh, as happens with these massive natural disasters, uh, there's very little hope of finding anyone. Uh, they have found 21 bodies, but the chances of finding survivors, they say, is is quite low. Um, they were working for a gold mine uh, subsidiary of the state-owned China National Gold Group. Um, I don't have too much to say about this. I've, I've you know a lot of this information comes from the Chinese state media. Um, you know they they tell you rescue operations are going to continue. Uh, they tell you. Most of the workers of the miners were ethnic Han Chinese, and they even say from what provinces, mm-hmm. um, with only two being reported to be Tibetans. Uh, you know, the whole rush for resources is always interesting, but that doesn't make me look more suspiciously at this particular piece of news. It's just, uh, yeah. A bad situation. It's interesting that you call this a natural disaster. I mean, a landslide in a mining area. That's a decent point. Yeah, I wouldn't really, <laughs> I wouldn't really well, call it a natural disaster. I mean, I don't really know the details, of course, but uh, uh, I think there's a fair chance. I get what you're saying. If it, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, landslides just don't happen that regularly. It's usually when we hear about them, it's mostly related to either people digging, you know, deep. And causing those problems or erosion or all of these things uh, uh, combined. So I wouldn't Fair really uh, file this under natural disaster. <laughs> Industrial accident? <clears throat> well, mm-hmm. We might be closer to this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you updated perhaps next week, more information and, and, and maybe a survivor to be found. That would be, I think, something very hopeful. Here's one slanting even further into the opinion category. This one comes from the UK, and uh, I am interested as a journalist in topics related to conflict problems and privatization versus anything else. And of course, we live in the era of privatizations. It's much more often that you hear about something going private, especially in Europe, where it's a a priority. Uh, There are a lot of old public services. And uh, some of them There are some services in Europe, for example, that stay public and that people are quite proud of them uh, because they function so well. I I think of like the SNCF, the train company in France, and one of those has always been the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK. And I've never lived in England. I've been there once. And in all conversations and every article that ever comes out of the UK, it is almost always the case that people say the health service is excellent and it will not be going private or anything like that. I... I've never thought too far into it. I've thought, okay, that will remain a a public service. 
I saw an opinion piece in The Guardian, actually, about the Health and Social Care Act of 2012. Sounds very bureaucratic. Apparently, it's a a complete bore to read. But according to this uh, doctor in England and several who who have joined with him, um, this act comes into effect today and it effectively privatizes parts of the NHS slowly opens up contracts to the private sector. And he, he runs down the money, the amount of private companies that have been given contracts. And, um, he calls it, and again, this is where opinion matters. (laughs) Uh, he calls it the, the abolishment, uh, or the beginning of the abolishment of the national health service. And he says that it's a, a priority, quietly a priority of the government in the UK to do it, to get it private sort of quietly. And this has made me very curious about the Health and Social Care Act of 2012 and, and what happens. Um, he, he's got a lot of details in it. As a doctor, of course, he, he knows these, these details. He names some of the, the companies like United Health Group, uh, one that's very heavily involved, and he's very critical. And this is something really I'm not ready to you know, give people the whole rundown on, but I think it's worth looking into. Something's going on with National Health and the National Health Service in the U.K., and it doesn't shock me, actually, that quietly there's this move to, to, to privatize because it's so often what every government in this, on this continent is busy doing. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like learning from the U.S. because the health uh, system is uh, working so well on a private basis, isn't it? Is that April Fool's type statement right there? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard it's excellent. I mean, it's making a lot of money for those companies. Well, it's they've got really cool machines. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I it's, just uh, it is. I mean, it's. I, I just ran about a, another news piece where uh, that lists typical um, health services and how much they cost in the U.S. compared to the rest of the world was like outrageous, a lot, lot, lot more. And uh, you know, many people um, attribute this to the. Uh, general state of the U.S. health system and, and, and the fact that most of it is based on private business and, and all those interests and that there is no uh, approach as it used to be in, in Britain where because everything was state-organized and public, uh, in, in total it worked better, especially for the people because a lot of uh, services you get from the NHS are actually free. Right. Hmm. Yeah. But may not be in the near future. I don't know. We'll keep an eye. I'm going to keep an eye out uh, uh, at the NHS as a topic, like in my news reading habits. Next up, uh, somewhat lighter, depending on how much you value your internet connection. But I I came across this story, which sort of triggered all kinds of daydreams. Um, Apparently, divers, uh, not working for anyone in particular, off the coast of Alexandria were caught. I'm impressed they were even caught. Um damaging or attempting to cut an undersea cable. Uh, Now, this comes at the same time that during the week, people, I say people, in Egypt uh, were complaining very publicly, of course, on the internet, if they could get on, that the internet was markedly slower. Now, there's the CECOM cable, right, that goes to Egypt, one of the, I think, internet delivery cables, among other things. And they say nothing is wrong. Uh, or they haven't commented, actually, so they they say neither way. Um, and this made me kind of curious as to how often undersea cables are cut. Uh, Egypt Telecom, by the way, says that, yes, uh, one of its cables was cut 70, 750 meters off the coast, 
and apparently they would be restored within a few days, which also left me wondering how long does it take to repair an undersea cable? Um, so I, I looked it up. I consulted our dear Wikipedia, the book of knowledge, and I found that actually, uh, like I'll read some of these facts. Um, cables can be broken by fishing trawlers, anchors, earthquakes, uh, currents, and even shark bites. Uh, apparently, oh. we've even had uh, cable breaks in 2006, 2008, and 2009. They don't say which, um, but a lot of those were in the, oh no, those were all in the Atlantic, uh, which is impressive. And then they even list in Wikipedia um, places in the world where you have specialists in repairing cables. I think one of them was in Nova Scotia in Canada, uh, where they're, they're very good at repairing cables and they have mm-hmm. that service. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird, you know, we need the internet so much and these cables are so important for so many countries that, yeah, what does it take to, like, float down with a giant pair of novelty scissors and just go, snip? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wonder what these divers were up to. I mean, this is definitely not a tourist accident here. I mean, it's not that you're looking around for corals and, <laughs> and, 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 and wonderful fish and then, oh, what's, what's this? Let's cut it, you know? Um, this looks more like well I'm not saying terror attack here but this is I mean why would you cut such a cable yeah so this really looks like somebody actively tried to disrupt infrastructure here yeah some I saw it uh, clipped a few times and retweeted as analog hacking which I thought was cute (laughs) Uh. yeah but then again, I mean, I'm not so surprised they caught them because, first of all, once you cut that cable, you know it's being cut quite, you know, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. from what I know, it's not that problematic to find out where it's being cut because hmm. you can just measure uh, this Okay. on this uh, optical connection. So that doesn't surprise me that they have been there quite quickly. I mean, if it's not far out in the uh, in the ocean, um, this uh, which region is it? I mean, talking about the Red Sea here. No, we're, we're talking about the Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have my my Seacom map in front of me, but if it goes into Alexandria, then you're talking about the Mediterranean. So yeah, that's uh, in every sense of the word uh, fishy news item. Yes, ha ha. ha, ha. <laughs> so this maybe, brings maybe us... that's the April Fool's joke here in this show. We don't no. know. We always we don't know. So us. which one was the wrong one? Yeah, there. W- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, if it was April Fool's, it would have been like sharks rebel and cut the cable or something like that. Yeah, yeah in uh, a landslide, <laughs> trying to save NHS. <laughs> Uh, this week's uh, Google... No, I was thinking of Google Knows, the April Fool's joke. <laughs> That's not it. That's not it. This week's news source, uh, recommended source that uh, I make use of for information, is actually youractive.com. And that's where I got a lot of my gas company, gas line proposal information. Uh, youractive.com, for full disclosure, I've worked for them. I worked for them in 2007 in Brussels mm-hmm. as a consultant because they wanted to get into blogging, and they they are in blogging. I have no idea how good they are in blogging. I don't read the blogs that I helped start, um, and that is because I I just I left the job eventually, and they weren't interested in what I had to say. But uh, what I like about Youractive <laughs> is um, they're very good with um, European Union 
news, related even news, and policy issues going on. So if you don't like reading or you just can't find stuff on, say, the European Commission's website, um, they write it up much better. They also translate into several languages. So when I was there, I always hung out with a lot of people who were translators. Um, And when it comes to anything involving not only government, but also like corporate slash government deals, if it's money, if it's an agreement, they cover it really well uh, in their straight up your active news service. I used to tell people I worked for a news service, which is essentially what it is. It's right across the street from the European Commission, um, hideous yellow and blue logo. And uh, it's one of still today, one of my favorite sources for information related to Europe. And I was, you know, looking around for more information about the pipelines and, and the deals with Russia and your active popped up several times because they, they cover it. Uh, and they've got uh, affiliates in a lot of different countries. When I was there, they were very focused on Eastern Europe and getting sort of reporters and their own native sites in those countries. Um, so that's my recommendation. It's you're active. You just write E U R active with no E at the end. Mm-hmm. dot com. There'll be a link. Of so course. the blog section is running under its own domain, blogactive.eu. Yeah, it, it, yes, it is. And I don't know what's going on with with the, the blogactive.eu. Uh, at the time, it's a funny example. This was 2007, and they were very skeptical the the ownership of the of the site about blogs and bloggers and the risk of putting your opinion. It was a bit the old-fashioned argument that is so just non-existent these days, I think. Should journalists blog? Should a news service blog? So that's where I sort of left it, uh, trying to convince them, yes. And they did go with it. And their, their thing was to have certain experts and experienced people writing for their blogs, which I'm sure they do. But I'm much more into their news reporting, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But at least Ironic. the blog section uh, has a German part of, in it, and the main yeah. site is uh, mostly English and French, as I can see. That uh, Yes. I, I mean, I remember it was always a priority to have uh, several languages, and yes, uh, French. Oh, no, there's also euractive.de. So actually, uh, when you scroll down uh, on the main page, you get a lot of uh, local links in lots of languages. Tur- yes, yes, yes. Turkey, Italian, so oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. it's not uh, a lack of news items on that page too. Yeah, no, it's it's quite good. It's not super famous. Only when you're in Brussels do you find people know uh, about your active. So um, it, I think it's good for people who want to understand what what is going on. <laughs> but yeah, but here the oh. first the first article on, on the German page is uh, discussing the possible consequences if. Uh, England. We I say England, although we we talk about the UK, we say England. When we talk about the Netherlands, we say Holland. Yes. Tell, yes. So when and England is leaving the EU, there is no oh. English-speaking country anymore in the EU. Ouch! Wait yes. a minute. Come on. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. What if, doesn't Malta really like <laughs> English? <laughs> Do they? <laughs> Who doesn't? Wait. 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 Come on. <laughs> Yeah, maybe oh, we should adopt none. Uh, adopt another small country that's not causing <laughs> causing so much problems. Uh, yeah, but then they are probably also in the Commonwealth, which is causing the same problems too. What was our What was our favorite island? Um, <laughs> it's in the Pacific. We were so obsessed with it for one day. Um, oh, that 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 one that's like far out. 
Yes, Pitcairn. Pitcairn yes. Islands. Oh, yeah. Adopt, yeah, yes. yeah. We should adopt Pitcairn Islands. That would be a news item for today, wasn't it? <laughs> and, and when we do that, we'll promise everyone daily ferry services to the, some other country. Yeah. Instead of every two days. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that is it. Clearly, that is it for uh, News of the World today. And thanks for all the comments. Really, um, it's, it's always fun to see uh, our last show generated quite a lot of discussion. And uh, myself, I'm heading to Portugal for exactly seven days, Tim. So uh, I'll catch you, what, uh, next week probably. Okay, in Portugal then. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. I'm going to go see what's going on with uh, the, the struggles of Portugal. Yes, that's interesting. All right. As has been the rest of the show. Thanks, Mark. All right. Catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.